Welcome to the Rise Up For You podcast, where thought leaders, entrepreneurs, and executives from around the world share their practical tips, strategies, and stories to help you unleash your potential and achieve your goals. Your journey of growth to become your best starts now. Hey everyone, welcome to today's podcast episode. Before we jump in, Natalina Nasruddin here. I wanted to let you know that, hey, when you're not listening to the podcast, when you're not watching the YouTube video, check us out on LinkedIn. We are constantly posting, adding value on LinkedIn, my team and I. We have a Rise Up For You page and has videos, articles, content. It's actually our favorite platform. So if you wanna connect with us on a day-to-day basis and you wanna get additional content and resources, head over to LinkedIn, follow me, connect with me, connect with our team, connect with Rise Up For You, and we're happy to share any content and even send us a message because we'll reply. We don't, we're not a bunch of bots. <laughs> so I'll see you there. And for now, let's jump into today's episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Rise Up For You podcast. This is your host, Netta Lena Nasruddin. Once again, we have an amazing guest with us today that's coming from, I want to say North Carolina today. Did I get that right? <laughs> okay, great. I actually just came back there from there for the first time. Anyways, uh, it's a great pleasure to have Jerome Myers with us today. Thank you, Jerome, for joining us. Grateful to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So, Jerome, what we do is every time we start the podcast, we always love it if our guest actually tells us a little bit about themselves in their own words. So brag a little bit. Tell us who you are, what you do before we jump in. (laughs) I am not a great bragger, but what I will tell the listeners is uh, I'm a corporate America dropout. Back in 2016, I left corporate America behind after building a $20 million division for Fortune 550. On January 13th of 2015, I started out as employee number two. We had zero dollars in revenue and just me and one other person. Uh, in the September, we looked up. We had 175 people on our team. End of the year, we had $6 million in profit. And I get a phone call on December 24th at 4.55, and it goes something like this. Hey, Jerome, you and I have been going back and forth. And I just want to let you know that I made a decision. We're going to lay half the team off. And I said, no, I don't think that's the right answer. He's like, yeah, you and I have been going back and forth about this for a couple of weeks. And I've finally made a decision. This isn't a negotiation. This isn't a conversation. This is me letting you know what's going to happen. And of course, I'm stubborn. So I continue to advocate for the folks that have been working for me 60, 70 hours a week. And uh, he said, look, man, I'm getting ready to go spend the rest of the year with my family. I'm going to enjoy the holidays. I'll talk to you in the new year. And he hung up the phone. And I spent a bunch of time blaming other people, saying they made me do it, um, and acting as if I didn't have a choice. And as we moved through the things in that spring, I realized like I was just passing the buck. I, I wasn't truly being a leader. And so we fast forward to November of the following year, and I'm getting ready to have I'm having the same conversation with folks. I'm telling them not to spend all their money on Black Friday. And it was there that I really felt all my leadership credibility kind of oozing out on the floor. I don't believe that people should be used to balance the budget. I know in a lot of businesses, they're the highest uh, contribution to expenses or costs. 
but I, I think there's other ways we can do that as business leaders. And so I decided that I was going to leave. I left, moved into real estate, built a multi-million dollar real estate portfolio, but it, it was empty. I, I was feeling lost. I felt detached from folks. And I started asking myself questions like, well, what did you miss most from when you were in corporate and you had a big team? And the thing that I miss more than anything, Nada, was, I mean, Nada, was uh, people coming in and saying, I don't know if we could have done this without you. In fact, I know that I couldn't have done it if you weren't there. And I was like, that's what leadership felt like. Impact felt like that. Nobody really cares about a building, but the ability to help people achieve and accomplish things that they couldn't imagine doing on their own was something that I was good at and I really enjoy helping other people do. And so... We pivoted, um, stopped focusing on the real estate holistically and started working with organizations, helping them grow their leaders and helping leaders of businesses grow so that they don't cap the impact that their business has. And so that brings us to today. Okay, awesome. I love that. And thank you for sharing that story. I can't imagine what that would feel like to have to let all those individuals go. You mentioned something. I want to pick your brain a little bit here, you know, as we have this conversation um, that the overhead, typically a lot of it comes from, from payroll. It comes from people. Right. Um, and you said you don't believe in, you know, letting people, people go now as a business owner myself, I, I want to pick your brain a little bit on that. So what are some other opportunities or ways that you can potentially deviate costs? Let's say like if, let's say if things aren't going good one year or two years, mm -hmm. you got to cut the budget. What are some other opportunities where it's not starting with the people? Yeah. I mean, I think depending on the business, right? If this is a services business, there's not really a whole lot of places you can go. Um, if you are selling some type of products, if you are outsourcing things, if you are, spending in ways that are inefficient. And as an example, um, I believe like in contractionary periods, you spend more on marketing and you spend more on sales. There's a lot of people who want to pull everything back and they want to restrict and constrict. But I think when people are doing that, it's an opportunity for you to grow. My, my favorite example to point to in this is Grant Cardone. Back yeah. in 2008 and 2009, nobody knew who the guy was. I mean, he was selling um, training to car dealerships. And he doubled down in that recession to, one, redefine himself, but two, to gain market share and take advantage of social media and all these other distribution platforms to get direct to the folks that he wanted to work with the most. And I think that so many business owners hear the news, see what other people are doing, follow suit. And I, I think they miss a big opportunity. And I guess the other thing I would say is I don't think the majority of the time business owners have an expense problem. I think they have an income problem. And so what can you do to drive more sales? What can you do to get more market share? Because I think those things are um, the biggest opportunities for us because as a small business owner, and I think most people who are listening to this are probably small business owners, you don't have a significant share of the market or the industry that you're in. And so growth, I think, is your biggest opportunity. Hey, that's a really good point there, right? So it's almost switching from the scarcity to the abundance mindset. Scarcity is I got to let all these people go. Abundance is, hey, let's attract more clientele. <laughs> let's bring in more income so that we can continue to grow, right? And, mm -hmm. and probably seeing seeing that beforehand, not waiting until it's too late to recognize like, hey, we're not going to make it. We got to let these people go. But like, what's the trend? What's happening month to month? So on and so forth. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think knowing your numbers is so important. And I know people out there who actually follow Grant and you're like, well, at the beginning of COVID, Grant laid everybody off. There were a couple of things that were different with the COVID stuff. One, like people got paid money if they weren't working, right? Like there was something put in place for those folks who left their jobs. Um, two, um, if you really dig into some of the interviews that he did on the backside of that, he did a lot of it to send a message to the people that he kept that you really need to dig in deep and know that this is going to be hard and perform at the highest level that you've ever performed if we're going to get through this thing. I mean, he thought everything was going to go off the edge of a cliff. And so he planned for that and wanted to only have the best of the best beside him while he did that. That's very different from revenue disappearing, slowing down, drying up, and somebody saying, oh, well, you know, in order to hit our fourth quarter projections, we need to get rid of this expense because we made this much in income. I I do believe it's a longer game. And, you know, playing the quarter game is something that is a little silly. um, If you, especially if you don't have something that's being traded on the stock market. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about, you know, what you're doing today. I know you talk a lot about um, exiting, like founders being able to exit. Tell us a little bit about that. What does that look like? And when does a founder know when to make that happen? Yeah. So what's funny is most people only talk about exit number six, which is when you get the big pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, because you sold your company to somebody. Um, and for a lot of founders, they, they don't even know how to get from quitting their job or leaving corporate America to that place. And so we've identified eight exits for founders. Uh, The first one is actually leaving corporate America because we believe most people start in some type of employee role. Then they move from that to become a chief everything officer. And when I say that, somebody who's truly entrepreneur gets it. You start and everything is on you. You, yeah. The paper doesn't get there if you don't, the trash doesn't get emptied if you don't do it, right? Everything's on you as a founder. Eventually, you hire some folks. Usually, we recommend people hire folks that do sales because creating new revenue then allows you to have some flexibility in how that revenue gets allocated versus hiring somebody that's overhead that then now you got to go figure out how to sell this stuff. So exit number two is, you know, leaving from chief everything officer, getting some folks in place so that things happen without you. Um, But that puts you in a space where you're managing people for the first time, but you're managing the production workers. And I think that level is when people actually start to feel like they got something going because they don't have to do everything. From there, putting a manager in place to manage your production workers is when things start to get really interesting. When you do that, you can move into being a thought leader, kind of a product manager. And in that space, you're actually going out and not only focused on serving the client and figuring out how to deliver the service to the client, but you're going out and looking in the industry and seeing what's happening outside of what's going on in your organization. The next level is when you put a chief operating officer in place and that gets you out of the day to day. And that's when we feel like the real magic happens, when you can truly be strategic, when you can truly be forward looking. And that space for us is where we find that CEOs start to look at other things and it's like, well, what else could we get into? Because this stuff's already working and it's working without me. Um, that's when your business starts to become valuable because um, the one thing that really checked my ego maybe four years ago was when somebody said, the more valuable you are to your business, the less valuable your business is. And I was like, well, what do you mean? I'm the CEO. I'm special, right? 
But if the business doesn't work without you, then you don't truly have a business. You have a job. And, you know, that's a little jab for the people out there who are holding stuff back and not um, releasing power and enabling the people on their team who are really smart to do the things that need to be done. Um, once you have the operating officer in place and your CEO, the only place to go from there, from my perspective, is to a board. And there's some people who will put a board in place. There's other people who don't like it because they want to go out control of their company while they're still running it. I think putting a board in place does something really special for a CEO. It gets them disconnected from the job. It gets them disconnected from the company. And that then allows them to start thinking about their company as a product. Because this is where you can actually get to a place where it's time to actually liquidate and make the money. Because the next exit is getting that pot of gold that everybody talks about with exiting. Um, what we find is for the people that have been building the company for 15 to 30 years, they have a very, very intense reaction when it comes time to sell if they didn't put a COO in place and they didn't put the board in place. Because their identity is wrapped up in it. Their sure. friendships are wrapped up in yeah. it. The, what they do on a daily basis, their work is wrapped up in it. And if you take all of that stuff out all at one time, they're lost. They're confused and they don't know what to do. And we call that the founder's exit paradox. Right? It's the loss of the certainty of the day to day. It's like, well, what do I do now? I've got more money and I got more time than I've ever had. And I don't have anything to apply it against. Yeah. And so. We, um, that's exit six. And then the last two are ones that are really exciting. Um, exit seven is building your post exit portfolio. And so businesses become products instead of the products that the businesses sell becoming the products. And so you're able to invest, you're able to make adjustments and grow true generational wealth. And again, you're not in the day-to-day -day operations. And so you can really enjoy um, directing companies from the board level. And then the last one is um, philanthropy, philanthropy and legacy, right? We, we call it PIL, Proceeds Invested for Lasting Legacy. And so this is where people set up those huge foundations like Bill and Melinda Gates, where this thing's going to live on for a long time past them. It's fully endowed so that you don't have to figure out how to raise money every year. And it's going to continue to solve the problem that you set the organization on to solve without having to worry about whether or not it can continue to do that work um, because they don't have money, which is why most nonprofits fail. So those are the eight exits. Yeah. So question, let's go back a couple of steps. So for somebody that let's say is the founder of an organization, when is a good time? Let's talk income wise in your professional opinion. When is it the time for them to bring on a COO that's just taking over operations? Is it once they hit the million mark? Is it the 5 million mark? Like for people that are out there that are listening that maybe want to transition, what should they be aiming for to make that happen? Yeah. So what we see in income, I think, or revenue is a really good one. So what we see is you can pretty much muscle your business from zero to 750,000. Yeah. Like just brute force. At that point, there, that 750 to 3 million is no man's land. If you stay there, your company's going to die. It won't be sellable just because you haven't put in the infrastructure, the systems, the processes, the people to make the company work without you. And it's more than a single person could do on their own. So you want to get out of that 750, kind of the messy middle, 750 to 3 million. At 3 million, 
there's going to be a meaningful leadership team. There's going to be some process. There's going to be some structure. And that's when I believe that most people are beginning the conversation of, oh, I could potentially sell this one day. But then the question becomes, well, can I sell it at 5 million or do I need to wait until we're at 30 million? Or do I need to build a $100 million company? And that varies pretty dramatically based on industry. But the thought is get above $3 million, really feel like you have a company that's stable, one where you can walk away from it and it still continue to run. And we, if you're much less than $3 million, you really don't have the revenue to uh, take care of the payroll and a lot of the other expenses that are required for professional management. Yeah. And that's interesting that you say most people muscle it up to 750. Being an owner myself, like I get that. Like I understand how that process works, right? Once they get past that set, you know, once they get, let's say that 750, what in your opinion do they need to do to accelerate to get to 3 million? Like you said, it's the no man's land, 750 to 3 million. Like what's got to change for them? Yeah. So Everything that they touch that isn't their superpower has to go to somebody else is the first thing. Um, many times we play like gap fillers. Oh, nobody does that, so we do it. And so one of the exercises that we have people do is they draw out a task list, or a task chart of all the things that happen in their business. And a lot of times they got to do it. Well, we do this. So, like, say you have your podcast, right? So we got the podcast and these are all the things on the podcast. There's the host, there's production, there's getting guests. There's all these different activities and our, we call it, we shade it. So everything that has the owner's color in it and you start seeing the C and like one of my favorite colors is blue. So you start seeing the sea of blue. You're like, okay, so if you got hit by a bus, none of this stuff will happen tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So how can we get it to a place where you're only doing what you're, that nobody in the world can do better than you? And they're like, well, I can do all these things better than everybody. It's like, yeah, take your ego out of it. And let's look at the things that you can really do better than everybody else. And you actually love doing. And if you can do those two things, right, just narrow it down, like the list gets smaller and smaller and it gets pretty, pretty, pretty small. And when you get there, then it's like, okay, so what's the plan to get these things off of the CEO's task list and allow other people to come in and fill that? What you'll see is the profitability will shrink in that messy middle. But when you get to the other side, it gives you so much more scale that it grows again. And so what you'll see a lot, what you'll see happen a lot is people will break a million. So 750 is like, ooh, and then they'll break a million. And you're like, I don't want anything to do with this. This is chaos. It's crazy. I don't want any part of it. So I'd rather go back down to 750. I made more money. I had less headache. And then, but they don't realize it was only because they didn't move to the new structure and actually put the infrastructure in to support that that new business. That that three to 30 million, you don't have to do a whole lot of infrastructure changes in order for that business to continue to run. That's interesting. That's a great point. Well, Jerome, thank you so much. This has been a really interesting conversation. I know we could probably talk for hours and hours. I'd love to jump into the power section of the interview. I'm going to ask you just a few questions rapid fire. So first question is, we always like to ask if you were to leave the world today, what would be one golden nugget that you would Mm -hmm. leave everyone? Your dreams should be real. That is the call to action for everybody. I think there's so many people out there who are just kind of wandering around and doing things because somebody else thought it would be a good idea for them to do them. But if you go back to that eight or 10 year old self, you had dreams. 
And so the goal is to get you to actually execute against that. Yeah. And here at Rise Up For You, values is a huge thing for us. They're non-negotiables. What's a value for you in your life and business that's an absolute non-negotiable? Mm, accountability. Accountability. Your word is your bond. It's all that you have. Yeah. And you working with leaders and us as well, accountability is uh, it's a tough one for people. <laughs> well, so we've got a really interesting perception on that. So we've got this model called the red pill and it's got six layers. The first two layers are self-image and relationship with within self-image. The thing that allows you to be accountable is the fact that you're accountable to yourself. And so what we look at in self-image is four things, but I only tell you about one and that's promises kept to self. And so the moment that you continue to keep promises to yourself and it's predictable that you're going to keep those promises to yourself is the moment that you have more comfort in asking and requiring of other people to keep those promises. Yeah. And that is a game changer for the whole entire organization, because once you have accountability, then you can build trust. And then that trust leads to a bunch of other things. But the thing that I think is most important is just speed. Yeah. When definitely. people trust each other, you can be speed. I love that. Okay. I have uh, one more question for you, but before I ask, tell us where we can find you LinkedIn website. If you have any offers that you want to share with our audience, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah. So if they want to find out more about the Founders Exit Paradox or the 8Xs, the best place to go is theexitparadox.com and you can get a bunch of free goodies. We, we're so generous. So on the site and those offers change all the time. So theexitparadox.com is the best place to go. And from a social media standpoint, I'm Jerome Myers in Greensboro, North Carolina. Okay, fantastic. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jerome. Final question to you. As you know, we are Rise Up For You. That's the company's name. That's what we stand for. When you hear that phrase personally, what comes to mind for you? Oh, man. Standing tall. I think about the cinematic event, like feature at the end of the superhero movie where there's smoke in the background and fire and the beam of light is coming down on the leaders who actually saved the day. And I think that's what you guys are doing. You're, you're setting up a situation where people can be those heroes for the folks that are counting on them. I love that. Jerome, thank you so much for joining us today. It truly has been a pleasure. Thank you for adding value to our audience today. Thank you for having me. It's been awesome. Thank you. All right, everyone. Thank you again for joining us here at the Rise Up For You podcast. Yet again, another amazing episode. Every single week, we are bringing you two episodes a week so that we can help push your potential, your leadership, and your organization. Thanks for joining us, and we will see you next time. Thanks, Jerome. Thank you. Imagine a life where you can have it all. A booming career, fantastic love life, great health and success, and overall achievement and happiness. Imagine pushing your potential to your absolute best and every day living a life that you are proud of. Well, if this sounds like something that you're yearning for, then the Rise of You Growth Membership is perfect for you. My team and I believe in supporting you and helping you get to the next level because we know that you can do and have what it takes to be your best. When you join our membership, you get access to live trainings every single month with myself and our team. You get free coaching. You get a number of on-demand resources to help level up your success that you can use in the comfort of your own home. And you get access to our global membership around the world full of like-minded professionals that are looking to be their best. Your time is now to push your potential and live the life that you wanna live. 
So if you're ready to take the next step in your life and in your career, join the Rise of Food Growth membership. Click below and we'll see you there.